your Bibles this morning. If you're at home watching, turn, if you would, to Isaiah 43. Super uh, verses this morning. The whole chapter is excellent. We were in 1 Samuel chapter 17 this morning for Sunday school, and uh, also a wonderful chapter. And I chose these passages today, this one mainly because sometimes we go through uh, difficult things, and we are going through some difficult things now. Uh, we are changing all the time in the culture. It seems to be uh, digressing even more at in uh, faster than it was. Um, you know, when I first came in as a pastor here 25 years ago, and uh, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about verse number two mainly. Look at your Bibles if you would. Isaiah 43, verse number two says, "I as as when thou passes through the waters." And I want you to to look at this verse a little bit differently if you would with me this morning. And I want you to look at the word "through," because what actually is happening here. God is giving us a little bit of an understanding of the invincibility of his kingdom and of his people, that we are invincible. Uh, I want you to know that during times of change, and we see that happening today, the culture changing, God never changes. He hasn't changed a bit uh, since I met him uh, in 1968 at the age of seven years old. And so he is the same uh, yesterday, today, and forever. There is no change in him. He, uh, there is no variableness. Uh, but it, I want you to know that there is this invincibility about um, the, the Christians, about his people. He's mentioning that here. When I talk about invincibility, I'm talking about a couple of things. I'm speaking of the area of conquest is that we can overcome, uh, not just conquest, but also confidence, uh, invincibility, the act uh, of conquering or the act of overcoming or vanquishing opposition by force, uh, during dealing with the physical world, uh, spiritual, emotional world. There are times because of change and being enamorated by things that we can get discouraged and falter somewhat. But I want you to know that this particular verse promises that we can go through these things. And so look at the verse again with me, if you would. When thou passes through the waters, because you're going to go into them, but you're going to go through them. I will be with thee through the rivers, though you go through the rivers. Uh, they shall not overflow thee, though you walkest through the fire. Thou shalt not be burned, and neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I, 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 all I can think about is the word invincible, and, and God gives us that ability. These encouraging words were penned by the prophet Isaiah, bringing it to the to comforting the Jewish people. But however, we, I really believe, need to grasp these verses and understand them as New Testament believers, because God has has now grafted us in. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 14, shows that the partition has been removed. And so we can claim these verses, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 14, for he is our peace and he hath made us one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Talking about the Jews and the Gentiles is that we can have the same God uh, that Isaiah had and we can still call uh, that God our God. Titus 2, verse number 14 says that he gave himself for us, that he might redeem us 
uh, from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, but you are a chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And so I believe that all who claim Christ can claim these verses to help bring a calming comfort to our heart. But not only that, an incredible ability to be confident in your walk with God and know that he will get you through that valley of change. And man, they're happening every day. I want you, to, I want you to speak to me a little bit and kind of break through and do like a Sunday school lesson a little bit. Well, what are some of the contemporary issues that we're dealing with right now in the news that is discouraging? Let's talk about that just for a moment. Anybody have any? Let me just bring one up. How about what happened in Morocco over the weekend? Anybody know what happened? Over 2,000. If you Google it right now, you'll find it over, I bet you it'll be doubled by the end because they don't tell us everything right away because there's a force out there that's trying to keep everything down. God is moving. Anything else happened in the last couple of weeks, couple of months? Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Yeah, that's devastating to Florida and some of the coasts. Uh, Anybody else? What else? Fire in Hawaii. What happened in Maui? Isn't that incredible? And uh, if you were there listening to the people, you would say to the, this looks like a war zone. What happened? Was it just a little fire that happened? What's, what's going on? And once, once he walks out, can you keep him out if you would, please? I don't want anybody else walking in until I'm done, and then we can scatter and do whatever we want to do. But I want to I make a point this morning and help you understand this. So what's happening in Maui is incredible. What's happening in Morocco is incredible. And these are two places that Americans go to. If you you look it up, they spend a lot of money in these two places, but there's no money flowing this morning in these places other than trying to send in money to help. It's mysterious, isn't it? What else is happening in our culture today in the last couple of months that's concerning? Anybody? What was that? Yeah, wildfire in Canada. Good point. Anybody else? You know, and these things don't affect us. We kind of like sitting in the north area here, you know, where we're pretty comfortable in, in this part of the country. Um, you know, when we, when we have a, an incredible drought that takes place, we're affected by it because the farmers are messed up uh, with that. We, we had enough rain. It's not been as sufficient, though. We need some more, right? Well, it was nice here for a little bit, but now it's brown again. Yeah. Well, let's wait till Monday. Monday, let's pray for rain on Monday, right? Let's look for a rainy Monday happening that help the farmers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. I anything else? You know, and it's not just those things that we can see. But isn't there an incredible amount of garbage being pumped out of the news to actually take the parent the parents' rights away from the child? Uh, and, and to say that the, the government, our, the United States government, is going to decide through a mandate uh, what they can do to your children. Uh, not my kids, not on my watch, not my grandkids. Uh, uh, but I, I tell you that this is what's happening to our culture. Uh, there is the Luciferian teaching of transgender Uh, Let me just say that about this. I'm not angry. I'm telling you and simply saying that transgender is from Lucifer. 
because God had made everything plain in the book of Genesis. And when you take that away from the school district and can't let it be taught in the school, what do you come up with? With every pot smoke in person's philosophy of, of everything else that's in this culture, and they come up with some bizarre idea that there can be a boy that now can be a girl. That's, that's between them and God. It's not between you and the school teacher or you and the parent. It's between God and that child. Now, if you teach them that they can cut off themselves from that, cha- from that particular gender and become something else, they're cutting themselves off from the purpose and the will of God for their lives. You're actually cutting them off from ever being born again so that they can have heaven as their home. This is a very serious issue. And sometimes we are, are bombarded to the place where we get so weary that we, we say, with all of this change that's going on, I can't produce much. I, I have this trouble continuing on. And I want to just comfort your hearts, if I can, just a little bit this morning and, and help you to understand during times of perplexity and, and confusion and times of, of financial drought, perhaps, or a sense of personal insignificance or a time of mood changes or maybe retirement and now what do I do or or maybe there's a death of a loved one what am I going to do to move forward I want to know that God has the opportunity to redeem you and he desires to redeem you and bring you into his family and that redemption of your soul is necessary for you to be able to get to heaven someday and this is all temporal by the way what we see and so um I believe that all who claim Christ can claim this particular passage. And I believe that God wants us to know we have not only a divine deliverance through trouble, but all divine presence. And we have his divine presence during the trouble. And he'll go with us through the difficulty. As I sat up here and listened to Sarah, I remember when I first, was she the one that was in the garage sale? Was she the one that was in the baby basket thing? Eight days when I met the Spurleys at a garage sale and, and picking the baby up and, and maneuvering her around. She doesn't need that anymore. She's doing really well. And, but my, my heart is stirred by, by watching how that, you know, an individual can, can continue on and their parents, through thick or thin, continue to serve God and continue to, to be here when the doors are open and to be able to encourage others and to continue doing what God desires for them to do. He'll help you through all of those financial difficulties. He'll help you through that illness. He'll help you through that depression. He will get you through it this morning. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It's important for us to get this. Compared with any of the afflictions that I have brought up, we face on earth, it is light. When we compare it to the glory of our Lord and the glory and the power of the Almighty God, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, And I know that all the things that I've been through and the things that you've been through bring us to that valley of change. We must all go through it at times. And how are we going to respond to it? It would be good for us to call it, I really believe, the valley of change. And I think it's important for us to know that change is sometimes good. And I think it's healthy. I think that sometimes when you have uh, a business and you bring change into your company, it does well. And sometimes the church does good to change things. 
Um, you know, through the years, I've been here 25 years, and I've had several secretaries, and sometimes it's good to change the secretary. Uh, God has done that for me at times, but he always supplies another one. Um, the secretary that we have now is, is a blessing to me uh, because I've, I've known her since she was um, in college. Um, and I'm not going to tell you how old she is now because I want her to continue on as the secretary. But, uh, but I, I, I love that change because then she has a different perspective and she gets, you know, this is a great opportunity for her to serve the Lord. And now I have a platform for it. My wife was the secretary through the years here and it was a blessing to be able to look in the office and see my wife sitting in there. I took a picture one time of her. Sometimes I throw it up on our anniversary and say, look at this beautiful woman. She, she's my secretary. It was nice. And, and uh, she, she's moved out. And then she's, of course, working for a, uh, a natural doctor. And she loves doing that in the office area there. And, uh, but I'm trying to tell you that there's some healthy things that come out of change. Um, sometimes if we stay in the same all the time, we can become stagnant. And sometimes we need that change. But what I'm talking about mostly, though, is being able to stay at it through the difficulties and stay strong. And I want to give you four things that will help you do that out of the text, okay? So this will help you to say, here's four things that I can hold on to during the change of life so that I can stay strong in the Lord and be in, be in comfort uh, during the time. Several things to keep in mind while we're in that valley of change, And it would benefit us while we're in the valley of change that we would humble our hearts and to be willing to be more like Christ and to realize that this, this, this uh, marathon that you've been on, this Christian life, that, this walk that you've been on with him, he, he's allowed things to come into your life to, to form you and, and, to, and to help you and to mold you into his image uh, to be more like Jesus. That's the purpose of all of these difficulties that come. And he allows them to come and hit us hard sometimes. And sometimes when we're confused, we need to remember these four things. The first thing I want you to remember is that we are God's personal possession. Wow. Think about that. Verse number one in the text says, But now, uh, thus saith the Lord, that what? Created thee, O Jacob, and he hath formed thee. O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. He knows you, and he knows your name. You don't have to be distant from God. I don't care what your name is this morning. He knows it. You ever forget someone's name? I've always said, boy, the breath is familiar, but the name isn't. When I shake hands. No, I'm just kidding. But I think it's important. Sometimes we meet people, and we think, man, I know this person from somewhere. And I can't quite think of it. And then said, oh, it comes. I hate it when I remember somebody and then it's a long time down the road, like they're on their car and they're going to say, now I know who that was. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time and I see people all the time. I was over at uh, Maranatha this week. They had that time where we go over there with the students. And I was, remember when that gym was built? We used to play hide and go seek and there's a ninth grader, you know. And uh, maybe cut class, I don't remember. But I remember being part of the academy there at Maranatha. And then being part of that and seeing, seeing it. Now I go back there, 62. And I walk around and look and see what God is doing at Maranatha Baptist University. And it blesses my heart to see these students wanting to serve God. And I, I got to see some people. But I'm sitting there going, I know that guy over there. I know that person, but I don't know their name. So it keeps me from going over and talking to him. But did you know what, dear friend? 
We serve a God who knows exactly who we are. And you have that personal relationship with him. I want you to think about the last verse we read, too, if you would. Verse number, look at it, if you would, in the text. Verse number seven. And even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created thee for what? For my glory. And I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. He created you. He formed you. He redeemed you. He called you by his name. You are his. You belong to him. And if you don't know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, I'm not saying if you're religious, because there's a lot of religious people in the world today. I'm saying if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are none of his because you do not have the Spirit of God in you. The only way we can be partakers of the Spirit of God is through being born again. And you know what? It's been by faith and it's still by faith. And you know what? There's so much simplicity in it that it confuses people at times. We have to take the Word of God, what it says. Uh, There's people in the auditorium this morning that, that received Jesus Christ this last Wednesday night. What a blessing to say, listen, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Saved. You know, and so that's a good question sometimes. Not are you going to church, not are you a good person, but are you saved? Do you know you are? Listen, you are his and we are God's personal possession. Remember that during the hard time when things get really dark and you don't know what to do and you, you can't step forward, but you know God is there and remember that he is with you. And you are his personal possession. I'm going to talk about the rapture tonight and why I believe that the rapture is about to happen and why I believe we need to stick with the word of God and what the word of God says. And I'll show you from two chapters in Revelation tonight that there is going to be a rapture. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number six says this. Do you thus requite the Lord? O foolish people and unwise. Is not he thy father and hath... Bought thee, hath he not made thee, hath he not established you? Dear Christian, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19, what? Question mark. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, and you have, which you have of God, and you are not your own? And then verse number 20 says, for you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and with your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 23. It says, you are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. I think too many times we turn to the world for acceptance when we should be turning to God and knowing that he has accepted us among the beloved. So who is your father? Who is your father? Father, who art in heaven. We talk about it. We say the prayers even. Hallowed be thy name. My father, who art in heaven, is personal. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. My father, he's all powerful. He's my strength and he's my power. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse number 33. God is my power, and he is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. My Father is ever-present. I will be with you always, even unto the end of the earth. 
My Father knows everything. This is the person who we need to focus on and know that he is with you and you are his personal possession. I got a lot of things, folks. You say, well, that's mine. You know what I'm talking about. What if someone got your car right now and started going down the road? You would stop and say, that's my car. Don't you know that you've been bought with a price and you are God's? And anything that happens to you, your Father in heaven will stop it if he wants to. And he'll let it go if he wants to. You're his possession, personal possession, if you've put your trust in him. But my Father knows everything. I I will go to him with all my questions. I'll go to him with all my concerns. This morning I was praying to my Father in heaven. I was praying for myself first. Then I prayed for my wife. Then I prayed for my family. I prayed for my uncle who's singing this morning in a wonderful church down south. And they're going to have a tent meeting. And he's one of the singers, part of an evangelistic outreach. And him and his wife will be singing. And I prayed for him. And he texted me just before the service and said, thank you, Dean. That means a lot to me. And, and I told him, uh, Gentle Shepherd is a song that him and his wife sing. If you've never heard of the McCluskey family, look up this afternoon, the McCluskey family, Gentle Shepherd. What a beautiful song. So I'm playing it this morning, and I'm thinking, I, you know how in the truck I have the CD player, you know? And I, I'm not sure exactly how to do it. You're supposed to put five CDs in there, you know? But you've got to do it a certain way. How many know what I'm talking about? You have one of those. Mine's 2005, so probably it's kind of new. So I have to, like, I think I have to trick it sometimes when I put a CD in. And then I have to push a certain button so it'll feed it. And so, so all I have is one CD in there because I can't figure out how you put the other five in or four in. <laughs> Maybe somebody can give me a hand, but I struggle with it. But the only CD that I have in there is by the McCluskeys. And Gentle Shepherd was the song. And you know what's nice about it? As soon as it's over, I can push the button. I know which one to push. It'll go back to one. It'll play that song over. How many have ever done that? I like that song. I'll play that one again. I've done that so many times this morning. Come and gentle shepherd. Come. Meet the needs this morning of the people that are going through the difficult times. Let them know and remind them that they are a personal, one of your personal possessions. My father, my father is sovereign, and I will joy and I will yield to him because of his sovereignty. Because you know why? His way is best, and his way is perfect. I yield to him. My father is holy. He is worthy of my worship. He is the gentle shepherd. My father is absolute truth, and I believe everything he has written. My father is righteous, and I will live by his standards. My father is just, and so I will treat him fairly, just as he does all things in a just way. My father is love. He is unconditionally committed to the best for me. My father in heaven is merciful. He is merciful because he forgives me over and over when I sincerely confess my sin to him. He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from unrighteousness. But I must agree with him about my sin and I must confess to him my sin daily. My father is faithful. He is trustworthy. My father never changes. To the valley of change, 
He gives me absolute security and stability. For I am his and he is mine. Even when the lights go out, I'm still his. I don't know what you're going through today, but I know that there's an everlasting loving God who loves you. I don't know where I got this poem. It says, loved with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know, gracious spirit from above, thou hast taught me. It is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace. Oh, this transport all divine. In a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. In a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. Heaven above is softer blue and earth around is sweeter green. And something lives in every hue. Christ's eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs overflow. Flowers with deeper beauty shine. Since... I know, as now I know, I am his, and he is mine. Things that once were uh, wild alarms cannot now disturb my rest. Closed in everlasting arms, pillowed on a loving breast. Oh, I lie forever here, doubt and care, and self-resign, while he whispers in my ear, I am his. And he is mine. I mentioned him a while back, but George Hayes was one of the men who lived up the road here. And he came to know Jesus Christ. I remember back, I think it was 2002. I think that's how it's been, about 20 years ago. And George Hayes came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. And I'd go visit him. He didn't have any legs. I could go to the hospital and... I knew exactly what room to go to when he was having dialysis. He didn't have any kidneys, didn't have any hands, didn't have any eyesight. And he went through a heart attack. And he said, Pastor, I just feel like a piece of meat on a table. It's all I am anymore. 49 years old, diabetes took him. But I'm telling you, folks, after Christ came into his life, I'd go see him, and sitting in his wheelchair, he'd say, I am his, and he is mine. And he would smile. There's a, there's a guy that's, that's known for his wit and for his real critical spirit on the radio. It's called Sly in the Morning. You might know who I'm talking about here in the Madison area. Well, Sly was a good friend of this guy. And one time I went to visit him, went to visit George. And Sly was sitting in there. And I was there for a period of time. And I left. And Sly said, who is that guy? He's the one that came and helped him to get him baptized, and helped him to further walk with the Lord. And, uh, but you know, one of the wonderful things is that when I went to see him, he would say to me, he's in here, and I am with him up there. He just knew it. It was amazing to me. Sly said, what did you do to him? I remember one time when I met him again, he said, he came to the funeral because the Lord took George Hayes home. He called me one morning. He said, Pastor, I got a really bad headache. And then pretty soon he didn't say anything. And his wife gave me the phone and she said, he's gone. He's with the Lord. I was the last person to talk to him on earth. I'll talk to him again. I'll shake his hand this time. Couldn't shake it before. We couldn't walk, Kyle, but we're going to take a walk someday. Do you know why we can do all that? Because through it all, God was with him. 
through the troubled waters, through the fire. God is there, dear friend. He is your father and you are his personal possession. And don't ever forget it, even when the lights go out, because God is going to be there for you. He'll strengthen you. He'll empower you. I think it's interesting because we have something else to think about. We have the promise of God's protection. Now think about this for a moment. We have God's, listen to the promise, I will be with thee. What a powerful thing. What strengthens the promise is the one making it. It is our God, an an all-knowing God, an all-powerful God, an an ever-present God, He is the one that is actually saying to you and to me, I will be with you. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 says, says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. First John chapter 2, verse 25, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Isaiah chapter 89, or this, I should say the Psalm 89, says in verse number 34, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. I will be with you. The scriptures teach us that. He'll be with Isaac, as he said this, with Isaac. The Lord appeared unto him and said, Go down into Egypt, dwell in the land which shall dwell. Where they'll tell thee of, sojourn in his, this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. He was with Jacob. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 31, verse number 3, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. It was a promise made to Moses. And Moses, in Exodus chapter number 3, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. I think about Joseph. Deuteronomy 31, verse number 23. I think about Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, 23. And he gave Joshua, the son of Nun, a charge. And he said, be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto thee, and I will be with thee. What a promise. Over and over. Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, verse 15, he said unto him, O my Lord, with Wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. He was with Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse number 38. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all the commandments, will walk in my ways, and do that which is right in my sight, and keep my statutes and my commandments, As David, my servant, did, I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as built for David. I will give Israel unto thee. I can't help but think about us and how the promises in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5, 
Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he saith and said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What an incredible argument that we have against this world's culture and all the things that we face and the hardships that we have. We can be assured that if we follow God and do his will, that we are invincible. He will be with us and strengthen us and get us through the difficulties, whatever it might be. The argument to enforce the duty, for he has said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. The words are a promise, a promise of God, a promise of his presence and his providence to assure us of both, that he will never leave us. He uses five negatives. I will not leave thee. I will not. I will not. I will not forsaken thee. Wow. How powerful. One of the commentaries went on to say that this particular portion of Scripture, that the the vehemency of the expression by the multiplication of the negative particles, listen, is both an effective and divine condescension. It gives the utmost security to the faith of believers that God will be present with them and comfortably provide for them so that the words are strong reason to depart from covetousness and to exhort us to contentment. For he having God's present being with us to take care of and to provide for us, we have all things in him and a promise from him that we shall not be in want in anything, but God will provide. And you have, you may not have taught your heart to covet. Maybe it's just a normal thing. I believe it is. I believe the natural man constantly covets. But God will be with you and give you power to overcome. He will be with us. He will pass through the waters. We'll go through the rivers. We'll go through the fire. I think of Daniel chapter 3, verse number 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know the story, they fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and he rose up in haste, and he spake, and he said to his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, it's true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. What a beautiful passage. Did you forget the story? that during the fiery furnace, Jesus was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. And they did. The Bible says, really clear, then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, and neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed upon them. What a powerful understanding that he will be with us. The lights go out. He'll be with us when we're overwhelmed 
by the floods, when we're overwhelmed by the fires, the difficulties of this world. One of the other commentators said, what a promise to protect by going through these hard times. God will not allow any calamity, however great, to overwhelm his true children, but will graciously sustain and comfort them under it and grant them in due time deliverance from it and make them, if you would, of a highest welfare. It is God that gives us the power to overcome. Don't fall asleep. I'm almost done. Listen, this is, this is an illustration. 1924, two climbers were part of an expedition to set out to conquer Mount Everest. And as far as it's known, they never reached the summit because they never returned. And somewhere on that gigantic mountain, they were overpowered by the elements and, die, and died. And after the failure of the expedition, the rest of the party returned home. And addressing in a meeting in London, one of these who returned described that ill-fated adventure. And then he turned to a huge photograph of Mount Everest, mounted on the wall. And he said, as he cried out, Everest, we tried to conquer you once, but you overpowered us. We tried to conquer you the second time, but again, you were too much for us. But Everest, I want you to know that we are going to conquer you because you can't get any bigger, but we can. And I just want to let you know that how many difficulties you've had is building up your muscles, your spiritual endurance, your spiritual perseverance to to be like what James said, that when these many trials come, you can persevere and continue on. But remember that you're his personal possession. And remember, dear friend, that he has given us the promise of protection. And then in closing, and I must close, and he has given us a permanent provision. Write two things down if you're taking notes. He's also given us a purpose. God's provision and God's purpose are the last two thoughts. And I want you to remember these things. And to continue on, there is no doubt in my mind that God saved his people at the expense of other nations. But the main reason for this passage, I really believe, is for us to understand that the Lord is our Savior. Missionary Hudson Taylor is an incredible missionary that we remember. This is what he wrote in one of his journals. He wrote, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect he will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain all of them, and they could depend upon him. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. That's what he said. It's so simple. Jesus saves us permanently. We must understand we have this powerful purpose. And I know that sometimes we don't think about our purpose, but I want to, in closing, remember verse number 6 and 7. Let's just look at verse number 7 and we'll be all done. Even everyone that is called by my name, 
For I have created him for my glory, and I have formed him, and I have made him. Through the valley of change, it might just be that God was redirecting you so that you would understand his purpose for your life. Maybe you're sitting here today and you think, man, things aren't going the way that I wanted them to go. But I know now that my God has allowed me to go through this so I could pivot and step into his will and realize that I do have a purpose and he created me to do his will and to give him glory. I don't know how many more years I have. I don't know how many more years you have. But let's continue to glorify God and give it all to him. And even in the spite of change, look to him. He'll give you the power. God's personal possession, God's promise of protection, God's permanent, of course, provision, but also the powerful purpose. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Howell, it makes sense to me now. I've never put my faith and my trust completely in Jesus Christ. You know how many sermons I've heard, but I've never put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. I've never opened up my heart to him, but I think I need to do that today. I really believe that God wants me to become a born-again believer. Maybe that's you this morning. Would you just simply raise your hand and put it back down again? No one's looking around. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I won't point you out. Yes, sir. Anybody else with this man would say, yes, I need Jesus Christ. Thank you. Anybody else with these two men this morning? Thank you. Three people. Anybody else to say, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to accept him. Then, Christian, this message was for you, too. You know you've already trusted him. He's been with you, but you struggle. And sometimes you doubt. And when you drift, you doubt. And then after a while, you have a deformed view of who he is. And when that happens, you can start leaving where you're supposed to be if you're not careful and despising others. But maybe this morning you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life, and I need to do that this morning. If you're a man and you want to come forward, I'll have a man take you and show you. He'll take you and show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. He'll show you from the Word of God what you need to do. Would you please stand with me, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need to come this morning. Even if you're a Christian, you need to come and kneel down at an old-fashioned altar. We pray you come. Father, I ask that you would bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.